0: You're listening to the Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and business mindset coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-doubt, following your intuition, and why self-limiting beliefs might be holding you back. Hello and welcome back to episode 72. Today I welcome the co hosts of the Business Proposal Podcast, Rachel and Ellie who met each other whilst working in the wedding industry. We talked about being multi-passionate and having multiple projects on the go, Pinterest, creating content and so much more. There is so much juicy information in there so let's dive right in. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself or kind of split split the two so you can kind of introduce yourselves um yeah, yeah. let's go <laughs> <laughs> let's go um so hello i'm Rachel Waring uh
1: i am well i was originally a wedding stylist i now am a creative content coach and the reason why ellie and i are here together is because we run a podcast for wedding businesses called the business proposal um so that's why we're here as a as a duo but yeah i teach everything about the aesthetics of content creation and I do a lot of teaching around Pinterest because that's my favorite platform Um, and that's me,
2: Ellie, Mm. go! <laughs> um hello, I'm Ellie. I am the wedding enthusiast um and I am a copywriting service for wedding businesses, mainly writing my specialities kind of about pages and out of offices, which my dad still doesn't really think is a proper job. But there we are. My dad's probably not listening to this podcast, so that's probably fine. <laughs> um really rude. Um he's not a big fan of my work. Uh no, I'm joking. And my speciality is, yeah, as I say, about pages, because um I just really like helping businesses be able to express what's brilliant about them like so I especially work with small businesses and working in the wedding industry particularly is my jam um because why wouldn't you want to be involved in a great day in somebody's life (laughs) absolutely obviously as
0: you both know I'm also a wedding photographer and that's kind of my that's how I came into the self-employed world so to speak and so yeah the wedding industry is it's its own bubble isn't it actually yeah
2: (laughs) I thought that was like a fill in the blank (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) go (laughs) scary uh yeah definitely and I I think I so I started out as a I started out wanting to be a wedding planner and one thing that struck me from the industry from the get-go was what a community it it really is and I know people on the outside think there's a lot of you know you hear stories all the time about kind of bitching and infighting and one-upmanship but I am very lucky that I've never really experienced that all I've experienced are just Mm. genuine people with genuine passions and genuine talents that just would go would move heaven and earth as much as they could for couples because they realize what a privilege it is to be part of that day and oh I just look like five years in I still absolutely love it
1: yeah it's a great industry to work in isn't it I think that's one of the best things about running the podcast is just it's like such a lovely community
2: hmm.
0: yeah, yeah no I agree I when I first started out obviously having not done many weddings to begin with one of the first things I started doing is organizing styled shoots. And so I got mm. to know so many amazing yeah, wedding suppliers. And it was, it was so nice to actually be able to chat to other people who really understood what you were kind of doing. Because I think, again, it's, it is its own little bubble. And I think you have your own kind of challenges that you come up against. And so, yeah, it was definitely um, really valuable to actually get to know other suppliers who really understood what I was doing
2: definitely definitely the community community is the one I think that's Mm. and I I've never had a job that's not been in the wedding industry. well I mean like I worked in a milkshake shop when I was 16 but um I've never (laughs) had a self-employed job that's not been in the wedding industry or a job that's not been in the wedding industry really and I think I can't imagine going anywhere else now because I just think I would I would need to know that that gorgeous blanket of community is there in any industry I stepped into because otherwise I'd be like well I'm simply just not going sorry about that weddings you're gonna have to drag me away kicking and screaming
0: (laughs) (laughs) so Ellie tell us a little bit about What, you know, how did your business first start and and what drew you maybe to the wedding
2: industry in the first place? Sure. So um, when I was 16, I organised my school prom um, with a committee um, because I went to a school that had a sixth form attached to it. So the school didn't give us a prom. They gave us like a year 13 leavers thing, but there, there was like a precedent set that the students organise their own prom. So I was like, mm, I'll do that. Sounds fun. Had a great committee and just basically loved it. It seemed like the perfect culmination of my kind of like analytical skills and my creative skills. It still gave me the chance to flex. And so I started to think about kind of event organisation and I'm a massive romantic. So it pretty, clearly is one of those cliches. Like I just love, love. Um, Um, And so, weddings kind of seemed like the ultimate culmination of that. Um, So, I came to London to go to uni, uh, studied philosophy, tried to drop out twice. (laughs) Um, But during that time, I was lucky and privileged enough to do a lot of internships and gather a lot of work experience. And during that time, I did a lot of blog writing for wedding blogs, wedding businesses, and kind of got to know the industry that way. Um, And so, I kind of was doing wedding planning on the side. But then, the more of the kind of writing I did, the more I realized that actually I really love that every time. Whereas, wedding planning stressed me out more than I enjoyed it because unless the couple were like my best, best friends. And I was really lucky that most of my couples did end up being really close friends, but unless they were that kind of couple, I just, I was really stressed out, just wanting to make sure that I was doing the best for them. Um, And so I kind of let go of the planning side because I'm going to be honest with you, there are people out there who do most of it much better than I did. Um, And so I picked up the writing side instead more and made that my kind of my main focus. So I did do a bit of content and stuff on the side, but mainly it's, um, it's the writing side of it, yeah.
0: Amazing and so how about you Rachel how did you kind of come into well doing what you're doing and, and being in the wedding industry as well?
1: Yeah so I started out so I trained um, I have a degree in set design set and costume design for theatre so I kind of worked in kind of freelance in like theatre and like a little bit of like small films um, and events for like four or five years and I also kind of on the side, I did a couple of but basically because like wedding styling and set design is it's like a very similar skill set. Like it's just for a different purpose, obviously, slightly less like dramaturgy and meaning like in the sense of like you know telling it's telling stories but it's telling stories in like a different way basically so I did a few friends weddings on the side and I also had like an Etsy shop as well selling like wedding stationery so I had a few things going on and then my Etsy shop and the product side of my business kind of started to get to the point where I didn't really need to be doing theatre design anymore also I mean, the theatre industry is like it's a it's a tough industry to kind of make a living in. It's like you it's one of those things where you have to be doing like you know six or seven jobs as a designer all at once, and everyone kind of treats it as if like your like their job is the only job you're doing. So you feel like you're just really really stretched quite thin. And weddings just felt like such a great outlet for my creativity in a way where I could focus more on like a, like Ellie said earlier like it's a it's a really lovely moment in people's lives and you can design can really help bring their personalities into it which is something that I really loved about it so yeah I was doing that for I always get timings wrong I would, like when I add up all the timings I always feel like I accidentally um, make it out like I've been in business for like 37 years <laughs> um, but I was doing that for a few years and a lot of that a lot of my like the building of my wedding business was done through Pinterest. So I kind of started about a year ago, um we had an event with Pinterest called Pinterest Presents Weddings, I believe, which Ellie Correct. presented <laughs> and I spoke at. And um basically I was chatting about like how Pinterest has been instrumental in building my wedding styling business. And after that I was like, I really enjoy teaching <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's really fun and then since then you know I've just slowly been doing more and more of the teaching stuff and it's something that I really am loving like I didn't ex- I think a lot of the time you know sometimes you can kind of fall into teaching accidentally but it's ju- it just brings me so much joy like I really really enjoy chatting about business stuff I mean that's also why the podcast is so great so yeah you now. Say so yourself <laughs> no I mean like doing the podcast is so great not like that's because the po- our podcast is brilliant that's why no. we're incredible yes that's why we're brilliant but yeah it's I just love basically long story short I realized that I love chatting about business and like the the business side of business and the creative side of business and that's become another real passion
0: mm, yeah so just for the record the podcast is very good <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that thank wasn't a plan. You, we you. weren't being like, oh yeah, it's incredible. Hey, Anna. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to do it at the start, so you yeah. Know, Ellie, Ellie refused you, but, me. <laughs> yeah. If you'd have been like, it's average, I'd have been like, Anna, I actually agree with you.
0: <laughs> How come? Why didn't you want to do it in the first place? What was stopping you from? <gasps>
2: At my largest fear in life and this is going to really you'll be able to work out my age and my generation bracket by this statement probably but my biggest fear in life is becoming a viral meme like it genuinely is my biggest fear honestly genuinely um and a podcast just seemed to be a one-way ticket to viral memedom and it just seemed ridiculous to put 2,000 plus hours of my vo- I mean a it just feels so intimate that's my issue because I know that people like we didn't do a YouTube we didn't just like push our podcast onto phones one day and people woke up with them like we can't get rid of these girls what's going on but I think there's something about people having headphones on that just makes it feel so intimate I just feel like I'm shouting at people for an hour even though obviously they choose to listen and we're very grateful they do so it took some convincing and then I actually said no to Rachel initially uh, and really bruised her ego because she had sent me an email with the subject line like super scary email that's maybe exciting but mainly scary and stupid or something like that so she'd really like Built up the courage to ask me. I flatly ignored her for three days, then flatly refused, and then about a week later came back with my tail between my legs because I'd imagined her doing it with somebody else and got really like jealous, even though I didn't really know her. So I was like, "No, nobody else gets Rachel. I want her." So then, um, two and a half years down the line, here we are.
1: (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's kind of fair enough that you said no because I really had no business sending you that email (laughs) because I really like for context. I, I I'd met Ellie twice. I'd done like we'd done a style shoot together and what else did we do? Yeah I think we met at most curious wedding fair as well and yeah literally that was the basis of and also we'd like chat, chatted on Instagram like occasionally so I really had no business basically proposing to her.
2: <laughs> so here we are.
0: And here you are so how long have you been running it
2: for now? So we officially started it in we officially decided we'd do it in june 2018 and then we recorded our first episode in november 2018 and then we released our first episode january 2019 so it's been out for nearly two years ish now yeah
0: Yeah. amazing which feels
2: both about like three months and about 10 years constantly the past (laughs) years we've been through but (laughs) i'm sure you feel the same on a podcast just like it's they make time feel stretchy in a way that nothing else seems to
0: yeah, no, it's a it's an interesting one because I was uh I think I the podcast turned about turned two maybe in I think August of this year. <laughs> Congratulations. Yay. Thank you. But it again, like you say though, it felt really odd because it felt like it'd been, you know, I'd had it forever, but also really still feeling like a beginner. It's it's yeah. quite yeah.
2: <laughs> it's exactly it's, the same.
0: It's definitely an interesting <laughs> kind of medium to uh to put yourself out there and I think what you say about like it being kind of this intimate conversation I sometimes wonder because I record solo shows as well and which is much harder well I think it's harder to do god mad Definitely. props to you for doing that yeah. I would
2: I would physically not be able to like I literally feel no, like be, I'd able, be, able, be able, able, to able to do that, that. <laughs> it, it
0: took many many tries and yeah. I'm still kind of finding my way with it but I think I kind of think back and I'm just like what did I tell people like what did I share <laughs> that felt okay at the time but then I'm kind of like was that really was it like just a bit too much information because
2: and, and this is the thing with the intimacy like that's why podcasts are so great because even though it is a general conversation that we're having with everyone like it, it's it's it, it, somebody's listening to it as a one and so it feels like a one-to-one conversation which is why podcasts are great like I'm fully on board the podcast train now but yeah sometimes I think back and I'm like I, yeah, I did not know how you do solo shows. Like yeah. props to you for doing that. I, I don't think I'd have ever released a word if I was the solo <laughs> show. I'd be like, this is a silent show, like a Charlie Chaplin film, just <laughs> back in 60 minutes of silence.
0: Trust me, it, it took a while. So I want to <laughs> um circle back to what you were saying and from what you kind of describe in terms of how you came into, you know, running your own businesses. It seems to me that both of you enjoy having kind of multiple projects on the go is that true probably uh, to our detriment
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I, I both it's my biggest joy and my biggest heartbreak I think yeah. having multiple projects on because I am um, I also run a business called The Enthusiast which is um, a platform encouraging people to be more enthusiastic and that caring is cool and that sprung I literally had the idea for that the day I launched The Wedding Enthusiast and it's And then obviously I've got the podcast on the side and stuff. So I do, I absolutely adore having loads of projects and I'm very much somebody who would classify herself as a multi-passionate or a multi-hyphenate or whatever you want to call it. Um, But I think this past, definitely this past year has really been me reckoning with what that means for the way my weeks look, the way that looks on the the kind of toll that takes on my health and what that means for prioritizing myself in that space. Because I think the I, only speaking for myself I'm very much one of those people who throws herself into work which is just three three times as big when I've got three works <laughs> to do um even though I love every single one of them so yes we do love I think I speak for both of us when I say we do love having multiple projects on the go and I can't imagine doing anything else but it does bring its own challenges as well mm.
0: yeah yeah well for that's the sure. that's the kind of question I was going to ask is how do you manage to split your time between all the things? Because I obviously run two businesses and two is pretty full on for me anyway. <laughs> and so, yeah, so how, and, and it's it's tricky, isn't it? It's, it's tricky sometimes to find the time or to know how to split things so that you're not jumping from one thing to the next. Mm. And so how do you, do you have like a, a magic kind of?
1: <laughs> I wish it was magic.
0: I feel like for me
1: like I think it's quite telling that in at the beginning of 2020 my word, you know like the word of the year you know when you pick a Mm -hmm. word of the year mine was simplify (laughs) um, (laughs) which I think is quite telling because it really did I like exactly what Ellie said it does it's like I think for me it's just my nature to have lots of things going like I just can't I have such like not it's not even like shiny object syndrome because it's not like I'm getting distracted it's just that it is just like being multi-passionate and enjoying you know starting new things but I think that having a sort of a way of simplifying it as much as possible has definitely helped me this year and I think even if you even if it's just that you are, I think there's the, there's a difference between doing, having lots of projects and working on lots of things at the same time. So like for me, something that's really helped is trying to batch my time as much as possible. Like even on like a kind of granular, granular level in the day, just like trying not to do too many different things at the, exactly the same time really helps and kind of um <laughs> I've got a thing that I like to that I bring up on the podcast all the time which is the I call it the brain oven <laughs> and Ellie's doing a little eye roll <laughs> I talk about it all the time but basically it's like you with your brain oven you think of your your brain like you've got different sections of the like your oven um so you've <laughs> that's what it is um and your front burners are basically like the things that you're working on right now and then your back burner is like stuff that you, it's like simmering away so you're maybe spending like 30% of your time on that and then you've got your crock pot or your your slow cooker um and that's basically stuff that you are going to do one day but you're just keeping it in there and you're not focusing on it right now and I think that concept and just working out that like yes I can have things lots of things going on but I don't have to do I don't have to spend the same amount of time on each one every day and I think that helps a lot just being able to like pick up one thing give it your full attention and then pick it up another thing and
2: give it your full attention that I feel helps a lot I don't know about you Ellie well I was gonna say if I may I would even I think my <laughs> advice would be to peel it like what's what's worked for me is peeling that back one step further which is just knowing taking the time to work out how my brain works because I think Mm. I'm I'm still really wet behind the ears um, with business but especially when I kind of came in to self-employment there's you know you you want to hear from people who've done it and you want to hear success stories and so you know a lot of the time you go out looking for loads of information on kind of how to run your business and i mean there are some things that just have one method which like file your tax return before january the 31st like that is a hard and fast rule for self-employment i'm not suggesting you should just like do what you want deserve your tax return but i think in terms of working out how your brain works how you what you respond best to and then from that you can work out how you what environment you work best in how to structure your time how not to get overwhelmed how to set those boundaries in place for yourself um because rachel and i one of the really interesting things about the, the podcast is as, as one of our projects is that Rachel and I work in very different ways. And the only reason that works is because we are both self-aware of the way we work enough to say, I can't do this, but I can do this, or I will be able to do this at this time. Or can we come together and, and do this as a, as a compromise because I definitely yeah like threw myself balls to the wall when I started my business and I think what I had on my side was youth and joie de vivre and now that I've been you know full-time self-employed for two or three years I have learned to mediate it better so that I can look after myself longer term like my business is now much much 10 times more sustainable than it was both eco-friendly wise but actually like energy sustaining um and I can see having a lot, much longer term future because I have learned through trial and error a lot of the time how my how my brain works and how I can best structure my business to set myself up for success as well as to set my business up for success. And I think that was the main turning point for me when I started prioritizing those things over, not necessarily over, above and with, you know, profit, getting more clients, blah, 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 because all those short-term, shorter term things um are only that, they are only short term if you don't prioritize the longer term stuff like your own health, your own happiness, um, yeah, and your own kind of business success, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's so important, but what you also said about maybe not looking to others to pick mm-hmm. up tips and you've got to work out for yourself in terms of what is the best way for you to work. I personally really like to have a routine and when I don't have a solid routine I just I think I procrastinate a lot more (laughs) because I'm kind of just like floating I'm like not entirely sure what I'm doing and so having a routine really works for me but I know that some people may not respond well to that and and it's Finding out what works for you and uh Exactly. And I
2: think routines are such a good example of that because I think when I first started as a self-employed, you know, there was there was a big push for working how you want, which is absolutely brilliant and what self-employment should be about. But that often took the form of people advising that you don't have to work nine to five and you don't have to sit at a desk and you don't have to do blah, 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 which felt great until I realized that I actually work best when I'm sat at a desk working similar hours <laughs> to a nine to five. So I'm exactly the same. Like I have the same kind of routine as as if I were in an office, because that is what that is just how i respond best so i think yeah definitely the the kind of a lot of and i know this is ironic the three of us who all host kind of like self-employment help podcasts but i think we're all in the same boat where what we offer is a point of view and an alternate alternative opinion to think about Uh, you know we have never said anything on the podcast that we're like hardline this is absolutely how things should Mm, have been done and we love when people get in touch and say actually we think about it a totally different way and then we're like that's incredible we've never thought about that aren't human brains amazing but routine is a perfect example of that because when i go too far the other way don't have a routine I'm like I'm living the self-employed dream but I hate it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I definitely thrive on routine but equally Mm. it's quite nice to give myself kind of a bit of like free movement within that as well so when you know I want to go for a longer walk throughout the day and then pick up a bit more work maybe in the evening sometimes that works with my energy levels but it's just again it's like really getting to know what that looks like for
2: you exactly
0: yeah, yeah definitely okay so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about pinterest <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'll just mute my mic <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing to say
0: i'm preparing i'm in the wings <laughs> No, i'm sure ellie you have plenty plenty to contribute i mean but it's how, been said before <laughs> how can we be kind of making the most out of it because i know that I think there's this kind of over reliance on social media, Instagram in particular. As you know, I think well, maybe I'm wrong to say that. It's just my own personal favorite platform, and so I spend a lot of time on there. But I know that that's not necessarily a wise move, because obviously, you know, this is everyone says this, but should should it disappear? Should we? Should the algorithm change again, and our engagement drops again? How are we actually sustaining? Getting clients, I guess, and and you know putting ourselves out there in front of those people.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's funny because I'm coming at this from I've literally just come back onto Instagram today after having like just over ten days off, and that's the first time I've taken a break. Off. She
2: just she dipped back in on her birthday to accept. Well, yeah, to, to accept the <laughs> she birthday. She came back as a birthday clout and then left again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Please send me birthday wishes. I'll reply to them on Monday. Um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting, like, because, you know, when you're talking about, like, spending a lot of time on Instagram and, um, you know, relying on it very heavily, like, as someone who I have a lot to thank Pinterest for, like, Pinterest, my wedding business was, like, built on Pinterest, really. Like, it re- when I was sort of using it to, when I was sort of properly, properly marketing my wedding business and I was, like, all, all in on that, I was getting 70% of my website traffic through Pinterest. It was definitely like my main marketing tool, but I only spent really like two hours a week on it because of scheduling and, you know, just like really batching my work. And it's one of those platforms where because you don't, if you schedule, so I use Tailwind to schedule, you really don't have to be on there all the time. So (laughs) when you mention Instagram, I feel like actually I'm still way more attached to Instagram in the sense that I'm, I spend there, I probably spend at least two hours a day on Instagram. Like I'm still on it all the time, but often I would sort of catch myself and be like, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, why am I on Instagram so much? And you know, I love Instagram. I'm not saying that Instagram's useless at all. Um, But I do think that like something like Pinterest, because it is, it, you know, the content on Pinterest is a little bit more long-term. So, when you have a pin that is, work, you know, optimized for you and you're doing all the stuff to like optimize your profile and you're treating Pinterest like a search engine, which it is instead of a social media platform. That's the main kind of mindset shift I usually start people off on. When you are using it like that, it actually becomes this really sustainable platform because, I mean, so I mentioned that my wedding business marketing is kind of on hold at the moment while I focus on my teaching. I'm still getting in couple inquiries from pins that i pinned in like 2019 and you know that's kind of showing a little bit of my like poor admin on that side that i haven't (laughs) sorted that out but it just shows that with something like pinterest because a pin can keep bringing you traffic for at least like four months to even a couple of years it really is like it it helps build that sustainability where you don't have to be on it every day. It's good to be consistent with it, with pinning, but it is one of those platforms that once you start the ball rolling, it really does keep delivering, which is what I love about it.
0: Yeah, I seem to remember you guys posted a graphic that kind of showed, I won't record the exact kind of time period I guess but uh, it said something about how long an Instagram post lasts like the actual life cycle of it uh, versus like Pinterest or SEO that kind of stuff and that was such a stark difference between the two. Yeah
1: definitely also do you know what's funny about that graphic is (laughs) I posted it and the like the I think the Instagram one I looked up the averages and the average I think it was something like 36 hours or maybe even slightly less maybe Mm -hmm. 24 hours and ironically that post proved that wrong because it's the one post on my Instagram Mm -hmm. that I still get like comments on like a few months later which is really annoying I mean it's great obviously but I think because it it occasionally gets like picked up and shared again um, it completely disproves my point that um, (laughs) Instagram is like not a very long-term platform but as a general rule yeah I think mm-hmm. with Instagram they you know an Instagram post as a general rule usually lasts like in terms of it, how much it shows up in people's feeds it's usually you know between 24 and 36 hours and pins yeah do have that much longer term life cycle which I think a lot of people don't realize. No.
2: I think what, what's been really interesting for me to like learn from just absorb Pinterest knowledge by being in Pinterest proximity to you is the way that people use Pinterest because I I am guilty of this sometimes that I think I use social media platforms like like my ideal clients do and a lot of the time I actually don't especially when I was doing wedding stuff because I, you know because of the community we're in because we're in in the creative kind of creative line of work I would already know the people that would do the bits or I would know what was in in trend or I would have seen styled shoots or whatever just without even searching for them because they're in my line of work whereas actually mm-hmm you know, if you're a couple getting married and you don't know that many small businesses or you don't know who to follow, you don't follow anyone on Instagram yet, the first place you're going to go is probably Pinterest just to get a really base level understanding. And then the more you build on that, the more kind of refined it'll be. And that's when kind of people come into the top of the funnel for you. Um, And that's been really interesting just for me to even think about Pinterest because, you know, like I've learned, Rachel, like, must roll her eyes at how basic my understanding of Pinterest still is, but I always thought it was a social media platform. It actually works more as a search engine and yeah, it's just phenomenal. And also they're a really great team at Pinterest. Like they're they're really, they, they are again, not bashing any other platforms, but they really do want small businesses to succeed. It's palpable in every interaction they have. Mm. Everything they do is to try and make small businesses lives better, more profitable to try and get, get them more business, which is just really nice after a few years of, of, bad to chat about a lot of social media yeah. and uh, search engine mm. your platforms
1: yeah, yeah they're so lovely and they're really transparent about their
2: best practices that's, that's as well it, yeah.
1: which is so nice it's like they actually just tell you how to like there's things that work on Pinterest they tell you them and if you if you listen and if you kind of experiment with the stuff that they tell you like it works and yeah they're just they're they're really great love them
0: love them <laughs> mm. so just one last question in terms of if you are a local business, because not everyone obviously serves like a national or international audience. Does it still apply? Does it, is it still really useful for more localised kind of searches?
1: yeah that's such a good question Uh, this is something that my like if I work with clients one-to-one this is often like their top question um because I do work with quite a few like especially like wedding photographers I've worked with a few Mm. wedding photographers and while you at the moment you can't sort of filter by location when you're searching on Pinterest at the moment it might be something you never know they might bring it in in the future there's a few things you can do with Pinterest ads you can geo target so you can target people um you know, by location. But in terms of organic reach, the main thing that I suggest is just to use local keywords. So if you think of it, again, like a search engine, it's only the same as like showing up in Google for your location. Like if you're using local terms in all of your Key, you know, keywords when you on Pinterest, like some great places to put keywords are in things like your board titles, your pin titles, your pin descriptions. If you're creating content, so for example, if you're a wedding photographer and you work in... London that's where we are um I <laughs> don't know why I can think of anywhere else um if you had like a, a blog post that was like a roundup of the best alternative London wedding venues and you work with alternative couples for example who live in London that's a really great way to show up for them on Pinterest um because you're just trying to target through the words you're using does that make
0: sense yeah no it makes perfect sense and I think that's probably one of the things that's I would imagine, underutilized by a lot of people.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think I totally get that because obviously with Pinterest, it is a huge, there's like 400 million monthly users on Pinterest across the world. And there is a huge audience in America, obviously. So it does take a little bit of tweaking. And I think one of the main reservations is people feel like they're just sort of dropping their, work into like an ocean of stuff but if you know how to kind of optimize to find the people who are looking for you that's basically what it's all about you just have to find the right people
0: yeah amazing so talking of content creation as a whole um and obviously we've you know we've talked about instagram we've talked about pinterest do you think or do you tend to recommend that people should look at getting involved in like as many platforms as possible like what's your kind of take on it
2: again I think it goes back to like knowing what how you work best because I think there's all sorts of reasons to do so and to not do so I don't have a Twitter for my wedding business I don't really show up on Pinterest for I use it much more as a consumer rather than a business. And so I think I so I kind of mainly use Facebook, Instagram, and I have a blog under much duress. Although for full transparency, as a writer, I didn't have a blog until this year, until April this year in lockdown, um, because I didn't want to just copy what I was writing for other people. So I think it kind of I think it's worth working out. I I think it's worth not discounting any of them, but I think it's worth kind of probably like split testing them and seeing which ones work for you initially and seeing where your ideal clients are because it's it's one of those things that takes time because the vanity metrics of them initially like the likes you're getting and followers you might have won't necessarily translate into the people that will actually follow through and purchase from you so I would always say have a face I mean you have to have a Facebook account to have an Instagram account now anyway don't you but I would always say have one of those so that people can leave you reviews because if you don't have a review section on your website um or you don't want to have a Google business for whatever reason Facebook is a really good platform where people can leave you reviews which is something that really builds client trust um and I just auto post through from Instagram to Facebook mainly which is something that people say you shouldn't do a lot of the time but I know that I do not have the time energy at the moment to mm. create separate content for both of them that optimizes both platforms so I feel like at least I'm showing up and generally the Facebook audience I have is quite different to the Instagram audience so I'm you know half showing up for both of them which yeah. currently is better for me than showing up fully for one of them and then not showing up for the, the other at all and um, so that would be my personal take on it I don't know about you Rach.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's like, I am a massive, uh, despite (laughs) despite the fact that earlier I was like talking about how stretched thin I was. um, I'm definitely a believer in like not stretching yourself too thin, (laughs) (laughs) having experienced it. Um, And I think that it's, I I kind of view it like sort of with plate spinning like I would get one plate spinning like as much as you can to start with and like really focus on one thing for a while and when you feel like you've got that going then move on to another one and like build it that way rather than like I think the worst thing you can do again uh, speaking as someone who has done this multiple times myself um, (laughs) is like try and go absolutely all in on everything straight away because you know that that's going to be great if you could do it but then you fall off the wagon because you know you can't keep it up and then you start to beat yourself up I think so many people really beat themselves up about not staying consistent with stuff. And I think one of the problems with that is if you're on too many places. So obviously on the flip side, like it's good to not put all your eggs in one basket, because as we said before, you know, like unless it's your email list, which is pretty much the only thing that you can rely on. Uh, you know the algorithm isn't going to change in an inbox and uh, it's somewhere you basically own I mean there's some some ways that you don't own it but it's it's not the same as like if your Instagram account got shut down for example but yeah I think it's a fine balance basically.
0: Yeah I think what you say about not then feeling guilty for not maybe showing up in all the places i think especially when you start out you have the energy to kind of be like yeah i'm going to set this up and this and and i'm going to be on twitter and i'm going to be on pinterest but actually you've got to and and going back to what ellie said about you know really tapping into who is your ideal client and where are they because it's all good getting the likes on instagram but if your actual ideal clients aren't not there then it's it's kind of a waste of energy, really.
2: Definitely. Yeah, and I think content is one of those. I mean, there are many many things that can end up making your business feel like it's running you rather than the other way around. But I think forcing yourself into consistent content creation can feel like one of those things. And obviously, if you're feeling up to it, it's great. It's really great to get into that routine. Like we're massive fans of a habit stacking, and you know, you've you've put some, you've got great things to say, you've got great products, like you want to show them to the world, but you want to do it in a way that feels good like I'm very much a I'm very much a believer in kind of I, I don't schedule any of my Instagram content for example because I always write mine in the moment because I just feel like that's the way I operate best that's the way that I can authentically show up representing my brand well and showing up giving my clients potential clients past clients future clients current clients actual value And actually adding something to the conversation is by working out what I want to say in the moment, rather than kind of scheduling stuff forward that when it comes out, I'm like, oh, God, I wouldn't say that like a week Mm. later. Um, (laughs) But that's just how it works for me. But yeah, I completely agree.
0: Yeah. And talking of creating content consistently, Mm. do you have any kind of like tried and tested ways of doing that? Or is it more of a just going with the energy and just seeing, you know, and I think naturally there are ebbs and flows within that.
2: We, on the podcast we pioneer we didn't pioneer it we just adopted um a system called the shit list where basically what we do is you set a timer for 15 minutes or so and you force yourself to think of 20 ideas and they can be the worst ideas in the world they just need to be an idea to get it on the page and it's a really great way of kind of getting over um you know the thinking version of writer's block because it's a really great way of kind of so you know for example if i was stuck for kind of instagram quote ideas or kind of helpful graphic ideas you know we'd set a 15 minute timer put a phone upside down and then start writing a list of 20 graphic ideas that I could put. And, um, you know, some of them will be Dolly Parton lyrics, some of them <laughs> will be memes that I've thought of with my face in them, and they probably will never see the light of day. Although, knowing my standards, maybe they would. But then you do, you kind of push through all the rubbish to get to some things that they might not be fully formed ideas, but you've had to creatively problem solve in a different way that helps you see in a different light what might have been sticking you and therefore what you can do to solve it. So, my kind of main thing for coming up with content, which is kind of one step behind what you were asking for advice for. But I think, you know, you can't come up with consistent content unless you've got the content ideas in the first place. So a shit list would be my kind of key to unlocking that if you are feeling stuck. Um, And then in terms of like actually advice on physically keeping consistent, um, habit stacking is something we're a massive fan of. We've got like a Trello board that we keep track of, you know, like what we can post on on what day to kind of keep us accountable. And I think that's a that's a way that we kind of works for us
1: we also (laughs) with the shit list we literally will do them together like or like even if we're on zoom we'll be like okay see you in 10 minutes and then we'll compare our shit lists um so yeah it's a very vulnerable
2: do... position it's like okay well here yeah are the yeah sides of my brain yeah. Off for you. <laughs> yeah.
1: but yeah speaking of like Trello I think finding a system that works for you and like knowing that it is going to be a really personal thing I think there's so many people just really want some someone else to give them a content planner that will work for them and I think you know there are obviously loads of templates and things like we've got a Trello workshop that's got one in it I think templates are great and like using other people's systems are great but I think also going back to what we were talking about earlier about like just really knowing how your brain works and knowing like what are the things that you need to do to help you get it done for me I know that I have to on a Sunday plan out my content I don't like write it in advance I don't make it in advance I just know what I'm going to talk about on each day and then I put it in a Trello board that's like the thing that helps me stay consistent but then sometimes I'll use a content planning system that works for me for it for like a year or so and then I'll have to change it up because my brain T- starts finding ways of getting around it and it gets stale. So I have to switch it up. Like I think just knowing, finding, experimenting and not, again, going back to the, like not beating yourself up thing. I think a lot, a lot of us will spend so much time, berating ourselves for not being consistent that actually you could just like forgive yourself like put that be like okay that's fine I've not been consistent there and instead of being like why am I not consistent (laughs) why can't I keep it up just let that bit go and Mm. spend the time that you spend having a go at yourself for not (laughs) for not staying consistent just spend that time finding a way of being a bit more consistent it's obviously easier than said than done but i think that that is a huge part of it just not realizing that you can build your own momentum like you don't have to be on it all the time like you can it will always go in peaks and troughs you know that's why i've just spent 10 days off instagram because i was really i felt like i was like zapped of creative energy i got a bit on my soapbox then but
0: I love a good soapbox End okay. of
2: monologue
0: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Hero Hub and Help content Because I know you ran some content planning sessions not too long ago
2: Yeah, so Hero Hub and Help content is something we first heard about again at a Pinterest event But it was more focused on video content And it was a guy from YouTube whose name I can't remember uh, They have pioneered this concept of um, content Which is broken down into the three H's Which are Hero Hub and Help Or sometimes that's called Hygiene Which makes feel a bit weird Oh, um, weird mm, yeah <laughs> So, <laughs> and so that's that's the advice they give their kind of creators to keep up videos that serve different purposes for all different like levels of their sales funnel. And um, so your hero content is the kind of like inspiring content that you have for people who are browsing. And um, so that's the kind of like elite level stuff that, you know, it's the kind of stuff that helps you go viral in inverse commas, capture the imagination of your community. And that's the kind of stuff that you put out every once in a while that really just like elevates everyone's experience with you. Your hub content is kind of the stuff you put out more regularly and consistently that kind of builds up a relationship with your community so that the people know kind of what they're getting to when they kind of come to you. And help content is the kind of really relevant stuff that helps people find you via SEO um and that kind of thing, not necessarily on Google, but like in Pinterest or on YouTube, for example, like anywhere they're looking for an answer to a question, that's what your help content is. Um, so together your hero hub and help content in whatever ways you do them are really useful ways of, of making sure that you're serving every single, uh, you know, a different future client at every single stage of their journey. And it's just a really great way as well. I think of like, there are 10,000 ways of thinking about your content. We also like content buckets where you work out how many, uh, your different topics that you talk about, and then you can always like just pick and choose and cherry pick out of them when you feel like it. Um, Hero Hub and Help are a, a great different way of looking at what your content is is saying and how it's saying it, and that's kind of what what Hero Hub and Help is in a very large nutshell.
0: Yeah, no, I like that idea, and also it just reminds us that actually there are different types of content in terms of where people are on the journey with you. So mm-hmm. obviously you know, the people who are maybe coming across to you for the first time, what kind of content will they be interested in? Probably not the more intimate kind of podcast episodes where you're talking about your personal life. Exactly. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's kind of like you say, it's more of the help answering some questions, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, kind of like, you know, it, I think it, it it's you know there are loads of different ways of of couching it it's some sometimes it's how people come to view you like via which channel or sometimes it's exactly like what kind of what stage they're at sometimes it's um yeah, what kind, of, what kind of person they are, like how they use the internet in the first place. Like there's so many things. And yeah, I think it's a really good way of, of thinking about the actual, the, the physical bones of the content you're creating. So like not the content of the content, but the content itself, like what is it? So why why are you saying it? Why are you spending time creating it basically? Mm-hmm. Like what is it serving for your client that's then gonna serve you in turn?
0: Yeah, exactly. What is the purpose of it?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I would love if you each had maybe one tip that you would have given your your younger self, what would it be? I think mine right now should be don't get a cat because my cat in the background while Ellie has
1: been so brilliantly explaining hub hero and help content my cat has been attacking the microphone so if you can hear some rustling that's what it was um no but I think mine would be to and this is just like it's probably a real cliche but I think like just like starting before you're ready I think that has been like the biggest I think the biggest turning point in my like any of my businesses really have just been when I stopped overthinking and like trying to get something perfect and just like started it or launched it or like set a date and did it because I think I'm definitely one of those people who left unchecked I would wait for I I mean (laughs) I tell this story quite a lot I waited for like a year and a half to launch my Etsy shop um, because I thought that I needed like a five-year plan and a PR pack and like all right. this stuff, <laughs> which is like so not necessary for starting an Etsy shop so yeah I think like as soon as I just started doing things and like working it out as I went along instead of trying to be perfect at something before I launched it um, I think that's the biggest thing that allowed stuff to like actually start happening. Mm,
0: no I love
2: that. Mine would be to back myself more I think I think this year I've really learned that actually a lot of the kind of but not not even prejudice but like a lot of the thoughts and narratives I tell myself subconsciously I've actually absorbed from other people and I've been really really lucky in the kind of support I've had from my family my friends my wider community like I can and I don't want this to change this is not an invitation I can count the amount of negative things that have been said about my business to my face on you know both hands which I'm very fortunate about you know five years in but I still have a lot of kind of like negative narrative about it and that is coming from nobody but myself like I've absorbed that and so as in I've absorbed that from other people but I'm I'm the only one that's propagating it still and so I think my advice to myself would be to just back myself a bit more and believe in myself a bit more because I mean I've it's been all right so far. (laughs) So yeah, I think not basically just, you know, it's again, it's a cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason. Working out what I actually want to do, working out what my why is, and then gunning for that rather than gunning for what I think is expected of me, or what I think should be expected of me, and then going for what I actually just want. Like, it's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, no, I think you make a really good point about it comes down to this kind of negativity bias that we all have. And you know, how we cling to all the negative stuff that maybe we thought of, or someone maybe have, has even alluded to, not even necessarily always said outright, but we've just read into something, and we hold on to those kind of thoughts and beliefs. And actually, that can have a really detrimental effect on on how we then obviously move on with our business. And it's, it would be a shame for that to be stopping you, right?
2: yeah and i think yeah. it's not it's not even stuff that's necessarily said in a negative way but like tammy thomas who's um live 360 she is phenomenal I would advise everyone to follow her and mm, just like soak up her amazing. wisdom um she did a post of the other day about what we kind of what what we let define us and it got me thinking about like what I define my identity as and one of the things that I really identify with is being a hard worker which is true however you know left unchecked that would become a narrative of like every moment I'm not working is bad or that hard work is yeah. the only work that's good whereas actually consciously I believe that easy work is as noble as hard work but subconsciously if I don't constantly keep that in check and be like Ellie come on now you're you know i would just then feed myself the narrative of that i had to work until i was like absolutely knackered every day um and so i think yeah sometimes it's not even stuff that's necessarily been negatively said it's just stuff that you've absorbed in a negative way
0: yeah a hundred percent couldn't agree more thank you so much for joining me today where can people find you
1: so much for having us so for us together the podcast we are the business proposal podcast so on instagram we're at business proposal podcast and if you just search wherever you get your podcasts um the business proposal we should hopefully come up i am on instagram i'm at rachel emma wearing um and rachel wearing.com that's probably the best places to find me
2: i am at the wedding enthusiast and the wedding amazing thank you so much and we'll
0: chat soon thanks Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd be so, so grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes so that other female creatives can find this
2: podcast too.